Welcome to the Odds Pod. I'm Dave Hendrick. And I'm Ben Hennessy. We're the team behind the Scout Comics title The Odds, an old-fashioned tale of good against evil, punctuated with modern paranoia and punctured by antique farm equipment. Hmm. Anyway, as we're sharing our favourite apocalypse story with you, we thought we'd ask some cool folks what tales of oblivion keep them up at night. We want to catch up on catastrophe, dialogue on destruction and talk tragedy. So, today's guest. He's an artist, a folklorist, a monsterologist, and if you've ever chatted to him at a convention, an occasional absurdist. He's worked on every publisher you've ever heard of, from Marvel to DC, Rebellion to Aftershock, and more. Regularly to be found wandering the streets of Mega City 1 or noodling in the null space, which we'll catch up on in a bit. He is, of course, our pal PJ Holden. PJ Holden, welcome. It's that was a very nice intro. Well done, you guys. <laughs> thanks, thanks very much. That was good. Work hard. I particularly enjoyed what what the blue bottle had to say about me. Yeah, no, he's yeah. Uh, he's, he's got some diverse opinions, but I think it's it's always it's always a welcome buzz. Anyone, oh, I see what you did there. For anyone not not tuned in previously, will not know there's a blue bottle flying around your room, Dave. There is, yeah, yeah. You might you might actually <laughs> make, make an appearance on screen. You never know. You might, might we'll find yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of wait for one of those acne moments where the fly goes across the screen, you go to leave, and then it goes back to the other way the screen, and you're running across with a mallet or something, and it's just <laughs> chaos, you know? Yeah, they gave him a good 10 minutes to get out, but uh, he doesn't want to, so he's... Yeah. No, he's not going. It's yeah. nice and cool in your room, probably. Yeah, nice cool. Maybe he's looking at the art. That's what he's doing. Most... He's <laughs> checking out the Manola and the, the Tony Harris over there. Uh, yeah, it's a field there now for him because he's got all the toys in the world as well. Like, why wouldn't want to leave? It's very hard to. Can you imagine if you were that small and you landed on an action figure? That'd be a, be like standing on the Statue of Liberty. It'd be amazing. That's like my dream, man. That's you know. Yeah, giant Deadpool be cool. Yeah, yeah, what you want is like Optimus Prime, only real life, you know, to your size, and then oh, yeah, stand indeed. on the shoulder. Yeah, yeah perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Can you go you get catch him and train him? To, to do something, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you need a dozen, and, and then you'll be good. You'll I've done that with Ben, but it hasn't worked out. So yeah, I can. Hey, he's still trying, though. He's still trying. Yeah, anyway, um, that's, a, that's, that's enough for a fly yeah. chat. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, this is what we meant about the absurdist. This is PJ Holden. Uh, I mean. What more can you ask for? This is this is the creative mind at work in in real time. Um, I've never I've never heard anyone use the expression absurdist to me. I don't <laughs> I don't think I'm absurd. I think I'm. I mean, I wouldn't entirely say I was rational, but I wouldn't. I, I just, I'd have said that I have a tendency to kind of go down little tangents, and yeah. that is just the sort of the nature of my mind is to kind of go down these little kind of noodly alleyways. But but not not because I'm thinking. I know what would be really absurd. It's just you kind of find yourself thinking of a thing and then going and taking it to a logical conclusion. And if anything, it's absurd not to do that. It just seems weird not to kind of think, where is the natural end point of this thought? Where does it where does it taper off and die? So and that's, that, that's you know, but I appreciate that. That's the experience of waging every convention goer who who comes across PJ's table, I think. If you if you start up that conversation, be prepared to strap in and wait for it to reach its logical conclusion, no matter how long or how weird. I mean, you just have to wait there. Yeah, the bring thing, a chair. The thing is, there's a kind of there's a, like a fractal nature to these kind of these kind of segues because what happens is I I fall down one of them and then kind of retrace my steps and then go down the next one and retrace my steps 
and then eventually run out of things to say and then just tell you to sort off. That's the, that's, <laughs> I've run out of things to say. You, I'm no longer finding myself interesting. You should now escape. <laughs> There's the gap. Go make, make yourself lost as quickly as you can. Otherwise, I'll keep going. So long, like, is it, like in your dialogue, you've managed to sell like two or three pieces of something to them. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that yeah. comes from my dad. That's my dad's, uh, my dad's, uh, um, a market stall trader and I've I find genuinely find a couple of times where I've been at selling stuff and I find myself saying stuff where I've thought to myself this is things my dad would do not me this is I, this is not good stuff that where you kind of go yeah I want to sell my things to people that want to buy my things obviously but also there's a certain um, pernicious kind of you see a target <laughs> and you think to yourself I could sell that person four of these and one of those, and all I have to do is use the right words in the right order and say something like, oh, you look, your son's grabbed that. He must really like it. <laughs> and you're going, oh, that was terrible. I want to learn this from you next time we're, we're, we're face-to-face. That's, that's a skill I want. The conversation you had with me at, um, at the core comic expo there. Mm-hmm. Basically, hey, how's it going? Yeah. And uh, then I walked away with a load of stuff. I'm very happy to have walked away with it. <laughs> um, this lovely, this lovely print, the lovely print I did, you made him, awesome. which, Look at which that. Uh, I I banged out very quickly. Like the day, a couple of days before. Now, can, can I ask, like, like, like how? Because, like, for people who might not know, like, PJ is unreal fast. Like, and then that's an amazing print. And there's a bit of detail in there. Like, how long did that take you to to do? Oh, I don't. I mean, I was done the easily done the day. Easily. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's never quite, I, my biggest problem is um, I've only started time and stuff recently because mm-hmm. Clip Studio added, so Clip Studio is the drawing program most comic artists use. Clip Studio added a feature where it tells you how long you've been working on a drawing and it's smart enough when you're not using it, it kind of goes right. You're not drawn, so I'm not going to count this time. Mm-hmm. That's when you kind of look at it and you go, oh, so at average, it can take me between um, so the null space stuff, which I'm sure we'll talk about, which are full pages of comics, take mm-hmm. about three to five hours for full color lettered. Well, um, eight start to finish, roughly. That's start amazing. To finish, yeah, I mean, yeah. and that's that's literally me reading the script and then starting to pencil and starting to kind of do a little thumb, expand it up, and then pencil the rest of it and and, and work away. Some of them take longer, some of them take less time. The the thing is, from from reading the scripts to finish page. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. yeah, that's unreal. <laughs> but, but I mean, there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of reasons why it works like that. Part of it is I am, I, I think there's stuff I was told when I was a kid that just burned itself into my head mm-hmm. and it, it stuck with me as, as rock solid advice and it becomes part of your nature and who you are. And one of the first things I remember, I can't remember, I might have been an art teacher or something. And he said, you know, when you're drawing all these lines, what you're really looking for is the right line. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in my head, I thought, well, why don't you just start with the right line? And then <laughs> that would be faster. <laughs> so, so so, as much as possible, I try and get the right line first go. Or at the very least, what I do is every line that follows mm-hmm. becomes, you know, is, is kind of a natural to that. It becomes part of that. So it doesn't, so there's not an awful lot of kind of overthinking stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. there's where my head is and my arm and, and, and so on. Um, there's also a kind of, on a lot of these, the, so the null space stuff is a mm-hmm. weekly web comic I'm doing. I've drawn about ten of them already, um, and part of the reason I'm doing them is because there's a lot of writers I'm working with, and they're writers that are 
uh, that haven't done comics before, and I kind of knew a few of them. And I said, "Look, I'm, if you want to do uh, a one-page comic, I'll draw it. You just write it, I'll draw it, and then you've got a comic done, and I've got a free script. <laughs> you've got a free comic drawn, and it, it works for everyone. It's you know, it's a nice little kind of vir- virtual circus. Uh, vir- virtual circus. I don't even know what that is. A virtual circle. <laughs> no, not a virtual circle. He's a virtuous up. circle. That's that's it. Virtuous. Um, Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so, but what happens is I try and draw it in different art styles and that slows me down. That's when I'm kind of trying to think about how can I draw this in a way that I wouldn't naturally draw. But mm-hmm. when I'm drawn in my most natural art style, the style that, that I think, um, you know, I kind of describe it like we artists, that the natural art style is the stuff you can't get rid of. It's the stuff that you spend your entire life trying to fix but that becomes your style and yeah. people go, Oh, I, I recognize your faces. And you're going, I'm trying to get away from them. <laughs> to, the, the last thing I want is to draw the same bloody faces over and over again, but I can't help it. That's what happens. That's what comes out. But when I lean into that, when I lean into that mm-hmm. natural art style, it is astonishingly fast. It is like, even I am kind of baffled by how fast it is because it feels like writing. It doesn't feel like drawing. It feels like, you know, whenever you're writing words down, and your brain has processed it all and you're getting mm-hmm. words on paper. But you at no point do you think, and I've drawn the letter L, you know, you, you've just written the whole word. And that's what it feels like sometimes is you, you're sort of in the most natural artistic style that I have. It feels like, wow, that just came out like a, like a, like I wrote something. And sometimes I kind of sit back and go, that was too easy and I don't trust it. <laughs> you serious? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. In, in, in a world like where, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the world like, like concept art like like where they're only hitting deadlines because they're relying on on reference and photo reference mm. like like are you doing any of that or are you, are you I have no of... reference at all none no. none uh i mean I, I genuinely find it baffling anyone can use a, a, a reasonable amount of reference because i just keep thinking to myself how slow would that make you i mean first <laughs> of all you've got to figure out what reference you need. Then you've mm-hmm. got to take the photos of the reference. Then mm-hmm. you've got to sort of reintegrate that reference into the artwork. And then you're drawing that reference and you're always getting it a bit wrong. So you're always correcting it and you're always fixing it and you're adjusting it. And then you're kind of looking at the whole thing and thinking, now, does that still look like my artwork now? Or does it look like I just traced a bunch of photos? And for some artists, that you I mean, John mm-hmm. McRae uses a lot of photo reference, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't tell. You wouldn't no, know. There's never, no yeah. way you'd, you'd look at John's stuff and go, oh, he's he's gone for a lot of photos. Occasionally, you'll get a pose in it where you think, I recognize the twist of John's, uh, I recognize the twist of his ankle there, um, <laughs> this saucy minx. Um, where you'll, see, you'll see the way his hand is twisted in the photo or something, you'll go, that's a that's from a that's from that's a, a gesture person. you're, you're related yeah, to that gesture. person. It, yeah, yeah. yeah, and because I think as well, some of those gestures, uh, now I don't think John Sart uh, suffers from this, but some of those gestures that you make are always a bit stiff because mm-hmm. you're you're very much limited by the physical reality of your body and, and you're limited by, you know, your arm is a certain size and a certain weight and a certain length and stuff. And um, you're not, and I'm sure, Ben, you've heard, heard this expression before um, with, uh, I think it was, uh, was it... Um, Jones, Chuck Jones said about uh, drawing Bugs Bunny. I don't when Bugs oh, Bunny yeah. gets hit by a man, well, I don't draw yeah. the way it looks. I draw the way it feels. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm kind of drawing people moving, I'm trying to draw the way it feels, and that isn't always about a straight arm. Sometimes yeah. it's slightly more curve in it, and and so on. So, uh, and I think as well. I mean, I I kind of I've got a very natural cartoony style in me. It's not always on the page, but it's definitely in there and. When I hit those beats, it, it's very, very fast. 
Well, I started, I mean, I started, I'm slower than I was. <laughs> I drew my first graphic novel was for Fanta Graphics in 1995. Mm-hmm. And I drew, get get ready, sit down. I drew seven pages, pencils and inks per day. What? Some of that. <laughs> what? Are you serious? That's got to be a record. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, they were marker pages. They were um, quite, I mean, I was basically drawn, I blue line circles for figures and um, straight in with markers. There wasn't much penciling. Um, and then any blacks were filled with just a black marker. So it was kind of, the tools slow you down. Like the tools mm. really do slow you down. Uh, traditional stuff does really slow me down a lot. Mm. And I find it's much, much faster on the computer. It's just faster to sit down and start working. And then whenever you're actually working, it, nothing gets in your way really, but it's, it's never quite as nice as, as you want. You know, it, if, if you do something nice, you think to yourself, oh, I wish I'd drawn that on paper now. Yeah. <laughs> one one place you work in a studio or do you do you move around a lot of people are mobile iPads etc no I, I I well so for the most part I'll work and this is my little studio space now that I'm in um I've always had a studio room um when I was started you know when I, like everyone starts at their mum's kitchen table or something I think and that's where I started uh and, and then whenever and at my uh, wife and I started going out and we got our first house together. I was drawing at the kitchen table there. And then it was, I think we eventually got a house in 1997, flat in 1997. And it had three enormous rooms. And I had one of these enormous rooms. It was like a massive, I mean, it was a, a, not a great flat, but it was a massive room. And then we had kids and I got <laughs> shoved into the tiny bucket room. Um, and But now we've sort of moved house again and I'm, I'm back in a very small room, which means there isn't quite the space I want for analog and traditional or uh, traditional mm. and digital i sort of want to do both i want a table for each but i don't have the room so it's all all digital but the plus side of digital now is that um i kind of got it down to a hewn tablet which is a very yeah. nice little kind of I use them as cheap well. yeah cheap digital tablet the one i got is about 300 quid 16 inch um the, the, um the premium 16 inch i'm on the same one would you believe it's i, I think it's a steal there, there's two there was two 16 inch ones one was one was a earlier model and one was a later model one has a glass screen and the other one has a plastic screen and the plastic right. screen one is prone to sca- scratching but it seems to be a bit nicer in other ways for some reason mm-hmm. but it, it's so i've got the plastic one i think it's 22 uh, 2022 model um and I scratched it the buggery the first time I used oh, it. Really? So it's like, yeah, I was like, oh no, because the, the pen, I think it was a bit of grit in the pen nib and it was like, it really scratched it. So I've got, I've got a cover on it now, but it was 300 quid. So I can yeah. buy another one. Like, so I, I, it's I it's amazing. I think they're as like, I mean, printer sensitivity is, is the same as the Wacom I was using before. Oh, they're, they're and great. it's a third, the, less than a third of the price. You the know, it's previous, amazing. The previous graphics tablet I had was a Cintiq 27 inch, mm. um, which was... Resolution was lower, and the 27-inch, I have little arms, and they do not go from one side of that screen to the other easily without me traipsing my whole body over it, like in my belly's kind of leaning onto the screen so I can reach the stuff up in the top right-hand corner. So at some point, you think to yourself, I've bitten off more than I can chew with this screen. I need something more manageable for my little mm. T-Rex arms. And so the Hewans are much, everything's closer, but yeah. I've also got um, a... A 27-inch monitor behind it. I can see a full full page and reference stuff, but it's all plugged into a wee Mac Mini. So if I'm going away somewhere, I'll bring the Mac Mini and the Hewan with me, and I'll usually when we go on holiday, especially if it's local, if it's in in Ireland, we'll just um, I'll take that with me and work because I like working. Yeah, I always like working. 
So, yes. That was a quite a lot of technical talk there. I don't know if anyone would be interested in that. Have nonsense. we bored everybody? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think they do. Like, the audience does respond to that stuff really well. Mm. They, You know, a lot of our guests are artists. And that type of process stuff, I think everybody's interested in it, you know? Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I like, it's weird because I started, so I started... I'm 53, quite old. Um, I started working in the IT industry when I was 14. And the reason I went, I went to my career as advice teacher and said, I want to, I want to do something in computers and something in drawing. Can I do something that covers both of those? And they sent me on a course on technical drawing, which is about oh. cams and engines. And it's like, yeah. no, this is not, not the same thing. And I, I remember the first digital drawing thing I, I ever saw. I think it was called a thing called a Harry which was used by, I saw it in Blue Peter, and it was a thing for drawing on a, on a, on a television for the old analog um, uh, video stuff. So it was a light pen, um, which used for very old technology. And I remember seeing it and thinking, that is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And because I was into, uh, into computers, really into them, I was, I was programming stuff for magazines. This is 1984. Uh, so one of the first programs I ever used was one I'd written myself by kind of stealing all these different programs and splodging nice. them together to make a drawing program for my own computer. So that's kind of the first sort of digital well. drawing I'd ever done. Um, and then there was a program called Autodesk Animator came yeah. out in 86, I think. And I remember drawing on that. I remember Autodesk Animator was the first time I remember ever seeing a, seeing the ability to use layers. And you could have, and there were two layers. You could have a top layer and a bottom layer. I remember, you know, wiping out, erasing the top layer of, of an art piece of artwork and seeing what was underneath and going, oh my God. Yeah, game changer. <laughs> layers. Yeah, game yeah, changer. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I almost, I almost like the first time I remember, yeah, you know, we had computers that were monochrome. Because I, I was at 14, I was selling computers, 14, 15, 16. Um, yeah. And I was selling these computers and they were black and white. And then there were uh, four colors on them. And then there were 16 and then 32. And I was like, look at the, you'll never need more colors than this. It is so amazing. <laughs> it's like you've got 16 really good colors and then 16 really kind of just the same colors, but a bit darker. And that was <laughs> really impressive. So like so, I used yeah. to know all guys who were storyboarding and they'd be mm. going into some of the code in Photoshop and they'd be taking a bit out, putting something in to make sure they can render a PDF sheet of storyboards in a certain yeah. way. And I remember thinking like that was like wizardry. Would you do that kind of stuff yeah. with Clip Studio or to, to kind of make things more? Well, the, I mean, Clip clear? Studio doesn't open its engine up as uh, the way the way that would do. But like there's stuff I do in Clip Studio. I don't think anyone else does. They're, they're, for example, and I think you'll appreciate this um, more than once, David might. Sorry, David, this is very oh, technical. Um, I, have, I mean, you work with a pencil layer and you work with an ink layer. When you're inking stuff, you work with a pencil layer and ink layer. Um, and I often want to see just the inks. And that mm -hmm. is a kind of multi-step process. That's basically turn off your pencil layers and into your inks. What I've done is I've programmed it. So I press the H key to hide and that'll hide all of my pencils. And I'll press the S key for show and that'll show the pencils. So when I'm working, I can just press H and S to hide and show the pencil layers. But you can only do that if you do half a dozen other things before you can get to that. And that, right. that so it's not it's not like it's not a feature you can turn on. It's a, mm. I'm using a bunch of different features that have allowed me to sort of hack that together. And mm. that, that but it's a really useful little kind of because it is super useful to be able to kind of just hide your pencils in one go. Yeah. And see yeah, what yeah. your inks are going to look like and then show them again. So. Um, so stuff like that, where where it's like, because Eclipse Studio does allow you to do all sorts. Of, I mean, you, the, many of the tools can be 
really extended in lots of different ways. And you can also, um, yeah, it has an auto actions feature, which allows you to record various actions and stuff and, re and reuse them over and over again. And, and you can link those up to key commands and stuff. And so there's a lot of powerful tools in it. Um, although I haven't, you know, uh, the Japanese version is even more powerful. Why you still be sans? Uh, it's. I think they they allow you to build plugins for it, and the plugins can get into much deeper level of code. You know, they can yeah. they can actually do stuff to the engine. Um, but it's not. It's. It, I don't think that that end of it's ever been translated into English. That's weird. It's weird how like they are leaving that to one side of the world and not like the rest. That's 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 mad. I never knew that. Well, the, yeah, I mean, Clip Studio is weird because it was the original program was called Manga Studio, and then yeah. Clip Studio was actually a different program called I think it was called Paint Sci. And whenever, um, at some point, they kind of just re reworked the engine and kind of got rid of Manga Studio altogether, and then kind of so it's it's a it's a complicated mess. It's fascinating to me, but <laughs> six, maybe six other people, I don't know. So has has oh, definitely definitely up our street here with you, PJ. As you know, like I, I get the feeling you were you were ahead of the game from day one. Like you you were hacking. Oh yeah, I mean, but but it's like um, it, it's it's a race that's gone on for so long. That you kind of you look back and you think I've been ahead for a long, long time, and then you you haven't noticed how many people have overtaken you, lapped you nine times, and you think, oh, okay then. I mean, <laughs> like genuinely, when I started in IT, there was um, uh, there was maybe half a dozen people worked at computers in Northern Ireland. You know, there wasn't no one had computers like, mm -hmm. and so and you'd be getting people coming in. You go, you know, you can do your accounts on this computer, or you can do this, and and, and they were for a specific job. They, mm -hmm. you know, this will help you do your accounts. This will help you do your word process, and this will help you do this. Uh, and then, but over the years, everyone has. I mean, there's you can't go into a house now without there being, I would say, at least five computers in every house. You know, and, oh, yeah. and that was. That was unfor uh, that was unforeseeable at that point, uh, and so and also the like the the skills required to kind of assess those things and fix those things and stuff are also I wouldn't say they're a lost art, but they've kind of they closed them all off, so you don't need those skills anymore. So they're kind of if they don't work, you just throw them away and get a new one. But in the old days, they don't work. You kind of weld something together to something else, and away you go. Um, so it, it is it's a weird it's slightly bittersweet because I did used to like knowing a lot about computers mm -hmm. <laughs> because people would ask your opinion and you'd be able to tell them and then they'd give you an awful lot of money for it and you'd think this is brilliant <laughs> yeah enough lot of money is always nice i yeah. like getting paid to tell people what i think that is great <laughs> and then in comics people go can you tell us your opinion and you go yes no go do you know what actually i don't want to hear it <laughs> it's fine 400 people on twitter will tell you you're wrong absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I do. I mean, the the thing is, I do sometimes <clears> miss working on IT because you you use a different set of your skills. You know, there, there's there's a whole raft of skills that are just faded that I had that that are, mean nothing now. Um, and I kind of miss them sometimes. You know, I did I did a lot of programming, um, and tech support stuff, and you know, mm -hmm. things where people used to be glad to see you when they had problems because you were the guy who fixed the problems. Now I know one's really glad to see me. Not even my wife. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> You're the guy who brings problems. That's what happens now. <laughs> oh, poor PJ. I know. Yeah, man. So look, everybody who comes on the show. Um, <clears throat> big question. And uh, Ben, I think you should ask ask the big question. Uh, the big question. So it's like the mini life stuff. Oh no, it's our question. It's um, PJ. Uh, what is your favorite apocalypse? 
So I suspect people will answer this question with, well, here's a thing, right? And that's my favorite because it's horrible and it's terrible. And I wouldn't want to live through that. Whereas I have a favorite apocalypse where I think this is the fantasy I had when I was 11 years old, which is the, it's the Omega Man uh, fantasy or I, I, it's also in things like 28 Days Later and The Walking Dead where you and, and Day of the Triffids where you wake up and the world is different <laughs> and you, yeah but but there's a point there's a point in those films uh, and shows where um, just before the monsters are revealed where the guy is the only person in the world yeah. and that's the that's the sweet point for me that's the point where you go I'm the only one here just yeah. that was when I was when I was what uh, twelve or thirteen or something, and there was a genuinely uh, you know, uh, Ben's far too young for this. Dave's probably too old for this, but there's a there's there was a point in the eighties where it really felt like nuclear bombs were going to go off, mm-hmm. and so you know I, I built an elaborate fantasy in my head of what life would be like, and it largely involved everyone being gone and just me and my family and and having a kind of underground bunker. Why an underground bunker? I mean, it's, it's the it's the thing is the one thing I've learned as an adult is that when you're going to make a wish, it can be anything you want. So don't like impose weird stuff on yourself. Like somebody goes, "Oh, I wish I had fifty quid." It's like, go bigger, go for a hundred million. You know. So yeah, so that's kind of that that point where it's it's also the end point but just before he breaks his glasses in the in uh time enough is it time enough for everything or time enough and in, in the um great uh, twilight zone episode where mm-hmm. everyone's gone and all he's got is books and time enough for for himself in those books that and i think that's sort of heartbreaking yeah yeah well for him it was heartbreaking because mm-hmm. he broke his glasses but in my fantasy i wouldn't even need glasses that's why <laughs> see you see up here for thinking <laughs> if i'm gonna make a wish yeah see and go big yeah yeah go big i'll think to myself oh everyone wiped off planet earth all the books i can read and also i no longer need glasses for whatever reason whatever that nuclear bomb is done it is mutated it's my cured everything yeah. it's cured my glasses <laughs> it's funny because we had nathan gooden kind of say something similar that like you know, that yeah. that period where it's just you know, you and your dog, like in I Am Legend or something, mm. or are you so just 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 wandering this this vast space and no fear of anything else? You know, it, yeah. Like, I think it's related to an artist being stuck in this room all day, hitting deadlines. That it just yeah, I just want to get outside. It doesn't matter what else is out there. I just want to be out there. You know? I know, but I this is this is the thing where that would where I would counteract that by saying what you've got to remember is when I was twelve or thirteen years old, my fantasy involved me living in a bunker when this would happen. <laughs> so. <laughs> You know, like, I mean, you know yeah. <laughs> that'll make a lot of sense. I'll grant you. <laughs> um, I mean, I hesitate to say that's the fantasy I had when I was a child. Obviously, I've got my wife and, and children now. I would mm. want them to be perfectly safe and with me at all. In a times, bigger bunker. I, mm. In a bigger bunker. Yeah. yeah. In a in a in a roomy bunker where we've each got our own room. That as we find over COVID, that when when one of us walked into one room, the other one would walk out. So at any one time, there was only one individual in any one room. <laughs> that was very well. We had four rooms, yeah. four rooms plus the bathroom, and it's like one, two, three, four. Yeah, four rooms, bathroom, and kitchen. So at any one point, if someone walked into the living room and the other one's in the living room, it'd be okay, and they'd leave. Where they go, kind of the living room, and you go, all right, we'll go into the kitchen or something. So it's it was like, it's like musical chairs. Yeah, 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 I like it. Yeah, musical yeah. rooms, musical <laughs> rooms. 
So yeah, that that's kind of um, that. I mean, that's the. It's not even a specific thing. It's just a specific moment in mm-hmm. any of those kind of apocalypses where the world's not destroyed enough. Everything is still there, and you have free reign. Um, it's like it's a bit like if somebody goes, "Okay, it's supermarket sweep. You've got ten mm-hmm. minutes." <laughs> But for books and you know for everything, where you just run going, I, these are things I want. I want all of these things, but also it's an eerie and quiet, and it's nice and it's peaceful. And you know, I mean, I'm sure I would last five minutes before I'd go slowly mad, going, "Who can I talk to?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, no one. Um, uh, not so, the yeah, stream on that, telly. That, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, that's it. I mean, I mean, I'll have DVDs, obviously, because they won't be gone. But that—that's the—that's the. But there'd be no electric. I mean, I'll be sitting there thinking, "This is great. I've got my DVD player here. I've got the electric on, and then suddenly the electric will cut out because the zombies have eaten all the electricians. I don't know. Um, and I'll be sitting there oblivious to it, going, "For flip's sake, I put fifty p in that meter earlier." And then- that's that's a story I'd love. Like someone obliviously living in a zombie apocalypse, not being aware of any zombies, and just you know, just enjoying everything yeah. about the place, just having a nice, a nice old time. <laughs> I'd watch that. Good, nothing, no idea what's happening. That's me. <laughs> that that could be me. I mean, that could be happening right now because you spend so much time in your room as an artist. Anything could be going on. I mean, it's it's just I I kind of I, I was um in Cheltenham there at the weekend for a book festival. Nice. I'm suddenly aware of how uncomfortable I am I, I, away from a desk. Like yeah. I need a desk in front of me. The moment you take my desk away, I feel completely sort of uh, uh, at sea. Um, and I kind of got home and I thought, I need to get out more. This is not good. I spent the entire time thinking I could be going, you know, because when I went to Cheltenham, uh, they put us in a hotel and they said, just any, you want to get a taxi, just get it. It's all on us. Oh, you go nice. wherever you like. It's all on us, whatever you want to do. And I spent the entire time in that room. And I thought to myself, I haven't even done that much work. I don't know what I think I'm doing here. It's just, I came home and I kind of thought, I need to, I need to make sure I go out more, even even just for a walk, because mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I did walk home, and this was in the middle of the day in Belfast. I walked home and I saw two people have a fight in the, in the middle of in the middle of Shaftesbury Square, which is quite a well-trafficked area. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, one of them took his top off started swinging oh, for the other guy uh, quite aggressively. And uh, and then the other guy knocked the tar out of him, I think. And then the guy with the, the with Topless, who was the one instigating the fight and decided to make a lot, kind of push it up, then walked away and started picking up his top and just wandered off again. Mm. <laughs> Whoa, this is all human life is out here at the moment. <laughs> it's very <laughs> it's very odd. Uh, and, and also, I kind of walked home through Botanic and I used to work in Botanic when I was 14. And it is so different... And I didn't notice anything changing. It's like it's gone from what it is in my head when I was 14 to what it is now when I'm 53. And the, the transformation has happened instantly. It hasn't, you know, that's not the way it's really happened. The way it's happened is sort of slow accretion of new things and kind of things falling off and, and so on. But it's happened without me seeing any of it. And so yeah. whenever you go out, you're suddenly kind of conscious that, oh, the world is different from what I remember it looking like. And, and that's kind of... A slightly uncomfortable. I'm not, I'm not uncomfortable in the sense that I'm uncomfortable with it happening. I'm uncomfortable with the fact I I shouldn't allow things like that to happen without me kind of at least being slightly observant of the world around me. You know, yeah. I should I should not be locked in my room. I should be out and about a bit. Bear with me here on this one. So, so your favorite apocalypse is is that moment before yeah. 
the main character of the story realizes things are bad. Yeah, yeah. And then you also, in your real life, live in. I I live that life. You live in. You live that life. You do. Yeah. yeah. That's what. That's what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's healthy. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing I mean we are full of contradictions Dave I mean I contain multitudes um, <laughs> like it's it's the only difference there that like in your kind of fantasy apocalypse there was no people but in this one there's too many people and they're fighting each other and... <laughs> no no I, th- I think I think the difference is uh, fantasies are good because fantasies can be a moment in time and mm-hmm. a moment in time can be a singular thing and it doesn't bear any relation. There's no linearity to it. There's no continuation of it. It is that singular moment in time, like a freeze frame on a video. It is that mm-hmm. one moment. And you can go, I love this freeze frame of the video. And then you find your life doesn't freeze frame like that. Your life is a continual process. But if you find your life is a continual process, but it looks like a freeze frame, something must be wrong, surely. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of the... That's my mm. thinking about it now. That's how I'm currently thinking of it. It's like you, you know, I, sh- I shouldn't. The two guys having a scrap there, you know, they could they could easily be your stuff. Listen, I noticed so mm-hmm. much stuff when I was out. I thought to myself, "This is great. <laughs> I should get out more and see more of what's going on in the world." Okay. <laughs> I, I should the see things. Like? Yeah, I mean, you're so busy living your life that you don't notice your life. I think mm. is the is, is the thing of it. It's, it's kind of you know your kids grow up so quickly and you're before you know it you're sitting there going wow who who is this adult that has to shave and what has he done with the little child I used to like <laughs> what's going on there um, but because you can't you can think you can freeze time and you can think you can hold that frozen frame moment and to mm-hmm. a certain extent you can for yourself you can you know. You can like every every man at a certain age reaches their last haircut. That's the they, they go to the barber. They don't know they're doing it. They go to the barber. They say, "Do you know what? Just change this. Just change this. I know I've got like that, but can you just change this?" And they do. And then that's the last time you ever ask them to change your haircut. And then every time you go to the barber, you go, "Yeah, just the usual, mate." And you never change it ever again. <laughs> so, but you don't notice that, and so you're kind of you've kept yourself in a in stasis in some ways, even though very slowly you're changing. There's a friend of mine who says you can you can tell when a man stopped caring about music by what he wears at the weekends. Because what he wears at the weekends will invariably be connected to the year, to the to the era mm. that he was actually actively listening to to pop music, you know? I think this is why so many middle-aged men are so angry with young people with Ramones t-shirts because <laughs> because they're looking at them going, hang on a second, are you telling me that, that this is the moment I've frozen and and also I should be your age? That's just really upset. Me. Young and pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's how those two guys started that fight the other day, you know? It's just one guy who was just, he couldn't take it anymore. That was it. That was his t-shirt. It wasn't it wasn't the other day. I'm talking about this morning. <laughs> this was this morning. Just, um, just so take yeah, it back I, I, to Cheltenham for a minute there, mm-hmm. DJ. So you, you were over in Cheltenham talking about something uh, very special. Yes. So um, I did a, a Derek Landy, who I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. The, the comic industry is funny. There are, there are always silos in it. So the Doctor Who fans don't read 2000 AD and, and the 2000 AD fans don't read Transformers. And yet the artists from those 
and those fandoms are extraordinarily well known, you know. Yeah. But like, there's very rarely any crossing of the streams in those things. Um, so Derek Andy writes a book series called Skullduggery Pleasant. Uh, it is a phenomenal uh, book series. It mm-hmm. sells phenomenal numbers. I think six million is the number I've heard. Wow. But I, if if I'm honest, I've told people anything between one and sixteen. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know. Um, but it's big numbers, you know, mm-hmm. it's big numbers he sold. And um, he wanted to do a graphic novel and I needed some work. And I posted on Twitter, I would like some work. And he went, oh, I'm doing a graphic novel if you're interested in Skullduggery Pleasant. And I went, yeah, okay. My I, my wife and son had read some of the books um, because he was the right age and she was sort of reading books with him. And um, so that's why I was in Cheltenham. So the Cheltenham Book Festival was on and uh, it was basically for the book world it seems in the uk it seems to be quite a big deal and uh, it is weird because i I, like i was there but no one cared (laughs) i was not i was not the show you know i was very much the monkey and not the organ grinder that was i was very much not no one was there for me no one would have noticed if i wasn't there um but you know i was there with derek uh to do a kind of panel in the comic and then to sign some books. It was really weird because there's lots of kids and they're coming up and they're, you know, really genuinely love the series and go, you know, there's one girl that kind of went, oh, I've read this book since I was 11. I'm 21 now. So it's really big, important part of my life. And it's really wonderful that you're here. Can I get a selfie? And Derek's going, yeah, come on, come on in between me and PJ and put your arms on, your, your, your elbows on our shoulders and we'll get a photo. And I'm thinking, this girl idolizes you and has done for a decade and doesn't know who I am. So so she's going to get this photo with her hero and some bloke. So, so, so I took to, um, I'll show you, the. this is the book. Um, for uh, for listeners, this is, I'm holding up a copy of the book. So I took a holding up the book, right, like this, in these selfies that I was taking, and just put my finger right beside my name in the book. Nice, so people, nice, smooth. So, yeah. so, so when people came back to go, who was that fellow with Derek Landy? see me pointing to my name and hopefully that'll some dots will connect i don't know you do what you must you know you do what you can but it, it's funny kind of having that realization of how unimportant you are in a certain project spoke, important for the project but you know i spoke to you in cork the book hadn't come out yet so is it is it no. on it came out on the 28th of september so it's Very it's good. literally just out um and then, like then my other book which is coming out very soon is this um fascinating folklore book as well that looks awesome um it's it's weird because like i know what to expect from a graphic novel so i Mm -hmm. can i can look at a graphic novel go hey i did a graphic novel it's pretty cool you might like it whereas this i'm looking at it going oh it's like a coffee table book it's really pretty it's like oh this is beautiful this is lovely and people are going is your artwork beautiful i'm going oh i haven't even looked at my artwork i'm (laughs) talking about everything else i mean it's just gorgeous isn't it just gorgeous look at all the essays and You've got all these little essays with which are beautifully graphic designed, and and they've done stuff where they've taken snippets of my artwork and sort of pe- pe- peppered it around the articles and stuff. And so it's just it's just a beautiful looking package, and you're kind of going, "That's a really pretty book," and yeah. I am very happy with it. So um, so that's coming out soon, but I don't really know. But the but the Derek Landy book will sell bucket loads. I don't know how many copies this will sell. I hope it sells well, but. You know, you never know. But the thing is, this this is the book. What I like about the the uh, fascinating folklore book is that uh, it's me and John Repian. Um, this came out of me, my head. 
in in that I, I kind of had, John had written a tweet and I kind of seen it and went, oh, I could turn that into a comic and it'd be quite a pretty one page comic. It would be nice. And I did that. And then I kind of said to John, I actually posted, hey, I really like doing these one page comics. If anyone wants to write another one, just write a tweet and I'll turn it into a comic. Turns out that is really hard. It is really hard to get people to, um, I, I, don't, I don't think, maybe I asked for it wrong or maybe they just didn't think of it the right way, but they were trying different narrative things that were not working. And I think mm -hmm. they were trying to tell a whole story. Whereas what I was kind of after was more like a piece of poetry nearly where, where it's just kind of where there's enough room for interpretation and I can turn it into a piece of artwork. And they, I, I, did maybe one or two that were kind of good and then uh, there was a lot of ideas that were sort of like this isn't this isn't working and i couldn't figure it out i thought was it me and then i, I kind of went back to john and said john do you want to do more of these because we could do this and he says well i'm doing this folklore thing i went let's let's do that you write a piece of folklore and i'll turn it into a comic don't you worry about what the comic will look like that's mm -hmm. on me you just write whatever piece of folklore you're going to write and i'll take that and i'll chop it up and i'll turn it into a one-page comic and we'll do that and we might do it for a week and then, like, um, uh, Dread Pirate Roberts, every time I did one, I said, like, this was good. Might not do it next week, but we'll see. We'll see. And then I did it for a year. Um, <laughs> and then and then, luckily, we found a publisher interested, and they wanted to turn it into quite a beautiful little book. Mm. And so it's got – you've got one page with the <laughs> comic, and then you've got um, – the other page has an essay about the comic. So – not about the comic, actually. One page – the comics are not necessarily – seeped in the folklore sometimes mm -hmm. i do really weird abstract things there's there's one of them's about selkies and it's and it basically says you know uh, it talks about what selkies are like and how selkies kind of wear a fur coat uh and when they wear that fur coat they're sort of magical and when they remove that fur coat they're no longer magical mm -hmm. and i kind of read that and in my head i thought oh that sounds like that sounds like contestants on love island that's that they're they're kind of famous while they're in front of the camera, and then when they take that off, they're not anymore. Mm. And it's like that. So that idea kind of percolated, and it became a little strip about Love Island. But using all the text that John had written, which was all appropriate for the Selkies, but using it to sort of juxtapose the um, the Love Island contestant idea, and then cool. uh, and then John would write an essay, and but the essay would be about the Selkies. It wouldn't be about Love Island. It would be about the piece of folklore. So the idea is that the the comics are kind of, they're like little confections. Each one is a little confection and, and they all have different flavors and they, they are all as different as can be, as different as I can make them, which is sort of a, quite a limited skill set. So the thing about folklore is it's it's applied to life no matter what stage, you know, what what era of mm. history, you know, the story's there for a reason. It's come up, yeah. you know, something in the way, you know. And yeah, I, th I think John, John's essays are great for kind of giving you more background on the individual, individual pieces of folklore. Um, and But the, the, the artwork was really, the comic was just about me goofing around for with with that piece of information i you know I, your introduction called me a folklorist i wouldn't call myself that at all you know i was just some idiot who drew some comics <laughs> based on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so i mean that that's out and i also am drawn judge dread at the moment that's yeah <laughs> easy and, and, yeah. yeah well no i'm not that's the thing isn't it that's stuff is coming out that i've drawn but i'm not drawing anything it's all it's all been you know it's all been sort of you draw this stuff and then it's sitting waiting to be packaged and then sitting mm. waiting to go to the shops and then sitting then it all comes out it's always done this for me i don't know why but every time i do books 
if I do three books, you'll get three books in the same bloody month. It always yeah. happens. I don't know why. And it's so annoying. And it, like I did, I did um, a couple of years ago, I was drawing Judge Dredd and uh, for the 2008 magazine, and I was drawing a Chimsky strip. And I drew them sequentially. Oh, yeah. I drew one thing and then I drew the other thing. And then whenever they ran, they kind of ran them concurrently. So for a couple of months, I was in both. Wow. And, you know, so for someone reading it, it'd be like, oh, he's drawn both of these things. It's like, no, I, I drew them. And then eventually they, they became in the print. They just came in the print at the same time. So, like, I, I've got um, Soul Plumbers out as well, mm-hmm. paperback of Soul Plumbers out. That's a great book. Um, it is good. It's a really good, fun book. Yeah. Um, and there's beautiful art by John McRae, and I have helped in some small way. Um and fascinating folklore and the uh, bad magic, the Derek Landy book, three books out within the space of, of a month, and I had three different other things come out um, last month as well. Two DC projects back to back, and then uh, an Ahoy comic came out, and it's like, oh wow, you've drawn an awful lot. Mm. Going, yeah, but not not all at once. I've literally no work. <laughs> Literally nothing to do at the moment. But are you just busy kind of like, like like showcasing these things, going around doing signings and and then No, 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 no. I think I think it's just um I never say no to work mm-hmm. and then I can draw it fast. So yeah. when someone asks me to do it, I kinda of go ah, and then they go, Oh brilliant, and then they go away. And then whatever reason they just all appear in one go. I yeah. don't know, like 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 vomit. I don't know. <laughs> It's it all comes out. Feast or famine, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? It's weird. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then and then of course what happens is you kind of go, I'm looking for more work and there's no more work to be had because you've done it all. It's like, oh, if I literally drawn everything there is to draw <laughs> is there no more is there no more work? Is that what's happening? At the rate you draw, that might be actually possible, you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah, seven I mean, pages a day. Crazy, you know. <laughs> oh well, I don't do seven pages a day now. Now I might do I try and do um <clears throat> two things per day. Right. right. So, and when I say two things, one of those things might be, for example, email meta- email the accountant, and yeah. the other thing they're they're like cognitive things. Yeah. yeah. One, two big cognitive loads per day is as much as I can handle. So it might be a phone call, and then half a page. Of, you know, it might be a page of inks because a page yeah. of inks to me has got the cognitive load of one of you know like one phone call. There's it's just sitting and relaxing and not thinking about things, and and you can watch TV and stuff. Um, oddly, pencils. I find pencils um, just as fast, but I can't. I can't sort of. I'm actually faster at pencils, but I can't watch things. I can listen to yeah. things, but I can't watch things. And then layouts, I find really kind of hard to do. And you know, like they're they're a real sort of struggle. I mean, I kind of write down. I'll do ten of these layouts, and I was like, I get to two, and I think, please, can I stop now? I never do anything <laughs> ever again because can, this is hard stuff. Can you even listen to music while you're doing layouts? No, I can't. Yeah. I can't do anything when I'm listening to when I'm doing layouts because you're you're using every single part of your head to to yeah. kind of go right. He's talking to him, and they're both talking. And where have they gone now? And how? Where? What am I going to do here? And how many panels is this with stupid writers written this stupid thing? Uh, <laughs> and oh, not another bloody tank now. Oh. and then and then that all that whole kind of once you then start penciling that. It's a little easier because you've done mm-hmm. the hard thinking, yeah. and you're still looking at the script. I'm still looking at the script and going, right? What are they? What's he saying? So, what's his face going to look like? But once I've done that, I actually sometimes when I'm inking, sometimes don't even look at the script. Then it's just I'm going to ink whatever it is I've penciled, and then I might go back and kind. Of, well, I, I do go back and no, I might. I'm, I don't always go back and reread the script with the inks, but I should do, uh, and just make sure it all 
it all lines up. You might be getting yourself into trouble here. So so we might. I know, I know. We might definitely, definitely do that. Yeah. Um, well, just, like, I mean, when you're working with when you're working with Garth, you do not veer from the script. So I always triple check uh, when I'm, you know, well, other writers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not Garth. No, I. I <laughs> not Garth though. I've won a I've won a Garth script right here, which oh, you, oh yeah, it's out actually. Yeah, this is great. This is really cool. Sent me when I was about nineteen, um, mm-hmm. and it's the script to preacher. Kind of elaborate signature. Preacher script? Yeah, Preacher yeah. 17. Yeah. Oh, it's, I, I was talking to Garth about, um, about word processors and, and scripts and stuff, and he said he started using a word processor in 2003. Yeah. yeah Up until then, it was all it was all typewritten. Yeah, well. it's all typed. Yeah, it's mad. Yeah. You can feel it on the page like it's it's typed. You know? I, I, I'd, like, I'd be curious because I know, I haven't done a lot of word stuff with Garth, he his ratio of scripted page to page of comics is about one to one. Yeah, so you'll get about one page of script to one page of comics. Dave's a bit like that, actually. Yeah, no, I I kind of studied that all right, and I try to stick to that. So I think he got that he got that from John Wagner. Yeah, John Wagner from from a uh, two thousand eight annual where where um, Wagner's dread script was in it, and he got that from there. Um, and look, if 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 you're a writer and you're thinking I've got to put a lot of words in this to make this really complex and detailed and important and stuff, and Garth is doing that, yeah, you're doing it because you don't know how to do less. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you know, you, there's no kind of oh, I need all of these words. It's more I don't know how to get rid of all of these words. And it's, um, it's a medium a- mess as well. I mean, it's it's all about you know compressing the message into one panel after the next panel after the next panel. If you're if you're doing it right, yeah, I mean if if you're doing it right it is. I mean sometimes you sometimes you can't help having to describe things because there's an important piece of information yeah, the artist needs to know and 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 you're gonna kinda go, look, this particular vehicle is a Stuka dive bomber model four B and you had better get the tail uh, thing pattern on it right. But for the most part, no, you, you don't. You, you shouldn't need to. Um, there's a great quote by Pascal, the mathematician. Um, he wrote a letter to a friend, and he said in it, um, "I apologize for how long this letter is. I didn't have time to make it shorter." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking that. That's actually brilliant. Yeah, yeah, love it. So, so yeah, I mean, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I was going to say that. I mean. If Garth can write the complex, dense material that he writes, yeah. one page per at a time, that's the target. Now, I'm not saying everyone should be able to do it. I'm saying that's the target. That's what's achievable. Yeah. You know, that's what's achievable. That's what it's we weird about for. the art, isn't it? Because no matter what area of the art you're looking in, less is always more. You know, it's it's always mm. trying to be as economic as you possibly can be. It's crazy. Like you, yeah. you know, your line quality, you know, it's just... Same thing. Well, thank you very much. I do panic and think I need to put as many lines in this. It's like, I think I've got the right line now. I've just got to fill the rest of it with other lines so people see value for money. <laughs> They've got to you get your like lines worth. Yeah. yeah. You want 12,000 lines per page. That's otherwise, yeah. you know, what am I even doing here? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. Is that, is that what that is? It's just What's like, that? Sorry, Dave. A whole kind of hustler market trader 
vibe. Maybe. It's guilt. It's guilt. It's Catholic guilt. It's Catholic guilt. Uh, with, uh, my my mum was... Um, my my dad was a was a mar- is a market trader from the markets in, in yeah. Belfast Catholic, um, and my mum was an English Protestant, and it's I think it's a Catholic uh, guilt complex with a Protestant work ethic. So I work really <laughs> hard at feeling guilty about stuff. It's just it's very important for me to feel bad about things all the time. Um, but I, I mean, I did. There's, oh, no, there's a page in. Same. The same. Yeah, he's that kind of mix. So he, he he says he says the same thing. So. Does he? Oh, I mean, yeah, me and Bono, we have a lot. That's not the only thing we have in common. Um, <laughs> neither is like paying tax. Um, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, oh, I was going to say, oh, I was going to say something there. I forgot what it was. Ah, it's annoying anyway. Um, yes, the, you know what? I mean, I've drawn, I did a page for Garth. It was um, one of the war stories. It was one of the early ones I did with him. And it was, it was kind of described as, Airplane flying high in the sky, a bomber, and clouds. And I drew that page, and it took 15 minutes. And I thought, I need to draw more than this because I feel bad. And so I drew another cloud, and I didn't use it. (laughs) I used the original piece, spent longer, just to kind of feel like... and Because sometimes you'll draw a thing, and you'll go, "I I mean... All the information's there. Mm-hmm. Like what we're all I can do now is add texture to it or add yeah. something to it, something more physical to it. But um, which is not to denigrate other artists who you know who do a lot. I mean, I love um, James Harron and um, Daniel Warren uh, uh, Johnson. Oh, yeah, Daniel uh, Warren Johnson. Yeah, yeah, and uh, guys like that who have this kinetic, hugely bursts of activity with their line work. Um, and 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 quite often that's one of the things I'm fighting is that is that sometimes having a simpler style it doesn't feel as kinetic it doesn't feel like there's there's a lot of action going on um, and and you're kind of fighting that a little bit and stuff so but uh, yeah but I, it is a kind of I, I do find myself wrestling with the tools more than any anything more than wrestling with the artwork if that makes any sense it's, it's do you mean like like, like would that tool respond to like working digitally or traditionally or both. I, it's always harder with traditional tools because mm-hmm. there are physical things to them that stop it being nice. Like I, I'm quite sweaty. It's very, it's ridiculously hot in Belfast. I'm sure where you guys are is stupidly hot as well for October. Yeah, it is. This feels yeah. like an apocalypse. I think it's actually um, 10 and, degrees warmer than it should be. was what I heard yesterday or something. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. the thing is it's, it's, it was 21 degrees today and on Thursday. So today's Monday on Thursday, it's going to drop to fourteen degrees. Uh, to fourteen degrees, so there's going to be, and you know, almost a ten percent, a, a ten yeah. degree drop in temperature, which is radical. I mean, that's a huge drop. That doesn't feel right. Um, but anyway, what I was going to say is, when I'm drawing on paper, I, if I'm if it's warm, I'm sticking to the paper, and if it's warm, the ink has evaporated and it's clogging up in the pen, mm. and and there's just all these physical things that you're fighting with and I can't get I can never get a fine enough line with the pen and if I get a fine enough line with the pen I can't quite see it because my eyesight is not as good as it used to be uh, and so you're just fighting all these little tiny little things mm-hmm. the, the upside of it is that you know when you do a page you like you go actually that's a really nice that looks good I like that yeah. and, and also I can sell it to someone um, but yeah that's, <laughs> that's a big that's, that's a big bad. part that's like having bad, it, yeah. something to actually sell people because it's 
it's not so I, I I work digitally most of the time and like the only real benefit I I found in it was I did not want to work digitally. I, I just did not want mm. to go there. I wanted to animate classically, you know? Yeah. And I can um, see your animation table behind you. Yeah, that's I have another one here beside me. I have one yeah. for the last number of years since college right here. And that was made by a Wexford guy actually, because I, I I couldn't be bringing my double one down every weekend to to do work yeah. and stuff. But um I recommend getting them by the way for anyone who's working traditionally because an animation disc is just the way to go. Uh but sorry about what was I going to say there before for winning animation discs? What was I going to say? I missed it. You were talking about you don't like going drawn digitally. That, that's what it was. I, I, I hated it. I worked so hard to get my line quality on paper and then you'd have to scan it in and yeah. then you might find something you'd have to change about it and yeah. you'd never get it looking the right way. You'd never get the line looking just right like what you had. But if you work digitally, you can. You know, it's very yeah. easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the but, only but thing. I, I, think, I think one of the things with digital drawn and it's the problem that it's the pro- it's the invisible problem, which I don't think people realize is that digital lets you be yourself, and that means that it, it essentially doesn't get in your way. It doesn't fight with mm. you, and it lets you bring out the worst habits in your own artwork. So if you're by nature a scrappy artist, it lets you be really scrappy, and that's my problem. I'm a very scrappy artist, so it will let me be super scrappy if I if I allow it. I mean, like. If I'm inking with a brush or a pen, I can't kind of wave my arm all over the page because I have to stop and reload yeah. think very quickly. Whereas digitally, I can start going, I'll fill in this little bit and I'm very subtly, gently filling it in. And then my strokes get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And before you know it, I've made this big scrappy mess. And it's because the digital tool has never stopped me. It's always just let me be me. And I think artists that um, there are some artists that are maybe prone to certain stiffness in their artwork mm-hmm. uh, or other other different problems. And what's happened is that the analog tools has always added like a controlling brake mechanism to them. Mm-hmm. It's always made them kind of stop and reassess. You you go away from your drawing table and you come back and look at it because you've had to clean a brush, or you go away from your drawing table because you you know your pen's clogged up and you need to fix the ink. And you do that and you come back and you look at it and you reassess digital stuff you zoom in on it at a hundred percent because that's where you're most comfortable and you spend your entire time drawing it at a hundred percent and then you go these lines these lines are so beautiful and so precise because that's the kind of line i want kind of thing i want and then you zoom out and you realize that you've created this kind of frankenstein thing because you've never had to to reassess it to slow down and you know i i I think that's that's the major problem that most digital artists have that, that no one really talks about because because it's it's Every single digital artist has their own quirk about mm-hmm. what they what would be their problem. What might be, you know, for me, as I say, it's a scrappiness. Um, for some other artists, it's like they're overly precise. Yeah. For some other artists, it might be that they, you know, they love noodling detail and it'll never stop them noodling detail. You know, you're, you're if you're a detail noodler and you're putting in little kind of scores and swings and and whatever, there is no um, there's no way you can stop doing that. With you can just keep going forever. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so so and 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 artists who are by nature slow, it will allow you to be as slow as you like because you can zoom in as much as you like and take your time over everything. And there's no kind of you you never like I can look at a page and go yeah do you know what I don't need anything else on that page that's that's done that's cooked. I mean I mm-hmm. think that might be one of the reasons I'm fast is that I go that's enough. Yeah, I can stop. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that is at a stage where another artist would go, oh no, I've only really just got started here. 
I just, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I, you know, I've got the structure and now I'm going to put in a lot of beautiful detail and they do, they put in beautiful detail and yeah. you go, yeah, but for like most readers, they're not going to, you know, some people will stop and stare at this stuff. A lot of people will not, you know, and, yeah. and they that, that 3% of... who want to learn something or looking at your work trying to pick mm. up something, trying to find a technique yeah. that they'll spot yeah. it, but everyone else is yeah. like, Oh, that's cool. And next yeah, time. Yeah. I, I really know? like yeah. that. I mean, I do that. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I don't think uh, necessarily like if, if I were right, if I were right about this, I would have a career to envy but as, as it is. I think I might be right, but also I am not selling jock pages or you know not I'm not the I'm not one of the millionaires you know I'm not one of the guys that's do that is constantly in demand and stuff um so you know take all of that with a pinch of salt yeah I've <laughs> seen artists coming up and um like really not destroying their careers but like really holding themselves back with this quest for the perfect page all the time you know and mm it delays the work to the point that people stop trusting them to get the job done and they get in yeah. their heads. I can think of two examples, certainly. Um, well, I, I mean, I have, I have friends who, who are amazing. I mean, I'm just yeah. amazing artists, but sort of absolutely cut their legs from under themselves because you know, nothing's ever good enough. And, yeah. and that, that's a sort of, that'll propel you on to make you better. Um, I mean, I kind of, I joke about the quality of my art. I think, I think I've hit a there. There's a point in uh, in your career, or a point as as an amateur to fan, where you hit a point where you go. At this stage, actually, everything I draw is mostly publishable. Everything is mostly going to do the job. Um, now it's just a question of sometimes it's better, sometimes it's worse, but it's almost always publishable. Um, and I'm kind of content there. That you know that that you know I'm, yeah. I I sometimes I'll do a job where it's like. Uh, I could. I wish I'd done that better, but I will never really go. You know, I just no leave this with me. I'm going to get this to you in another three or four weeks because I'm going to keep working on this sucker. I will go. Yeah, that's my deadline. There's the pages. I'll let them go, and I'll be like, I wish I'd done that better. Doesn't matter. On to the next thing. But you it know? says a lot um, for your your confidence in your work that you're able to even even as maybe too. maybe you're not a thousand percent happy with it, but you know it's going to work. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I think it's, pros. it's, I think, I don't think people, um, people talk about the quality of an artist and they go, oh, I, I, his work's beautiful, that works beautiful. Mm. Very few people go, the storytelling is immaculate and, you know, and it is beautiful. It's always the artwork is beautiful because that's what they think they're looking at is the surface detail. But comics are about storytelling. Yeah. That's, mm. that's the core of what they are is storytelling. Yeah. And you can, draw a comic that's incredibly crudely drawn and not, you know, arguably not very well drawn, but with amazing storytelling. And I actually think, and like, and I, this, uh, hopefully this will come across the way I mean it, but I think, I don't think Frank Miller, uh, or like you say, uh, Dark Knight Returns, um, I don't think it's particularly beautiful artwork, yeah. but it's incredible storytelling. Yeah. It's a storytelling with such power that you ignore how ugly a lot of it might be, yeah. and you just I mean, accept the incredible power of the storytelling. But the ugliness, a lot of people, is part of the story as well. Yeah. I think, I think well, that, yeah, yeah, uh, it's all it's all part yeah. and parcel of it. Yeah. But the, but there's a kind of like if you zoom in under certain lines, you look at them, they go, they're crude and a bit ugly and you know misshapen or or whatever. Uh, and and yet there are other artists you look at them, you zoom in, you go, that line is just oh, 
that. Wow, so beautiful. Uh, but they've taken a huge amount of time over it. Yeah. And they haven't been able to get the workout on time. And so they haven't got the body of work. And, and it maybe lacks the power of, yeah. of you know, the, the Frank Miller stuff. So, so I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying I'm in any of those leagues at all, but I am saying that's kind of my view is my storytelling is never less than good. I don't think. Yeah. In fact, I actually, I if we all let's let's take my modesty. I just Sorry, I think you're being though. very hard on yourself here. I'm going to say because you're not going to say about yourself, but your your work is absolutely one of the best. It's well, it's stunning. Your line quality you. is one like one of my favorite things. Like there's um there's very few people I know how, who can do what you do. I think um and like you like the way you talk about they're trying to like starting off with the right stroke like hmm. like and it was just the way you do like that's an incredibly hard thing to do. Like, yeah, no, no, but I mean, I'm, I'm being vaguely facetious. What I really mean is <laughs> is uh, what Jack Kirby famously once said, which is every time I rub something out, it costs me money. I, <laughs> I <kinda> go, <laughs> I go, do you know what? That might not be the right stroke, but I'm just going to treat it as the right stroke and yeah. the next one is right and just keep going. Because yeah. most people, like, for the, if you're you're contributing to the overall shape of something you know the mm-hmm. the whole thing is the important thing not the individual line of any one thing um and you can like you know i i do fight with my line quality all the time i do kind of draw stuff and think it's too crude it's too thick and is that right is that how that should be and and stuff mm-hmm. um but i never doubt my storytelling chops mm-hmm. never doubt the quality mm-hmm. of the storytelling um and i think that's because my storytelling is I say never less than good. I think my storytelling is usually crystal clear. Yeah, crystal clear storytelling. Crystal clear. Um, Because I don't faff around. I don't Mm -hmm. do, I mean, I do the nice thing when John and I were doing um, Soul Plumber, I would I would pencil pages for John and John would ink them and he would play around with the panel shapes and uh, not the panel shapes, but the kind of just just juddering them a little bit more than I would do. Whereas I would be getting a ruler out and go, that yeah. goes there and that goes there. And then you'd just see a little more it, it would feel more alive the way John had done it. And I would kind of go there. I don't know what he's done. I don't know what he's done, but his face more 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 kind of it's got more bounce and vibe to it than yeah. what I've done. But there was nothing fundamentally wrong with the storytelling. The storytelling was all crystal clear, mm-hmm. and John was able to use all that storytelling. But it, he he just added a little more. Um, I kind of say, say to people like, I am structure and order. And John is chaos. <laughs> and, <laughs> and if you're knowing John, if you're, if you're if if your base point is chaos, and then you're trying to impose order on it, I don't think it works. But if your base point is structure, if mm-hmm. you've got structure and order at the storytelling at the core of the storytelling, yeah. and you you add chaotic kind of ink and a chaotic uh, treatment of that to it, that works. I think. Yeah. Because yeah. because the storytelling is still so rock solid that that there's it's hard to go wrong with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. there's no way. So I I think even even when I draw stuff which I'm not happy with, I'm always happy with the storyteller. Very rarely have I kind of gone, looked at a page and gone because I I I feel it very early. Like mm-hmm. when I'm drawing a page, I feel there's something wrong with the storytelling very early. Even from like I'll draw it and usually what'll happen is I'll draw it and it'll be one panel and I can't make it work. And I just, I nothing I do is making the one panel work, and it'll be because the whole page is wrong, and I'll have to start the whole page again, and not just redrawing it, but like literally rethinking it. Like I'll, I'll take, and sometimes what I'll do is I'll go, um, 
I've got, you know, one panel, one panel, uh, and a big wide panel at the bottom. I'll think, right, that works. And I'll start drawing it and I'll get to the third and it'll be like, why is this third one not working? I don't understand. And then you kind of look at it again and you think, I don't know why it's not working. I'm going to scrap it and I'll try a different panel layout. So I'll try three vertical tiers mm-hmm. instead of instead of like one, a stack of two and then one. And then you try three vertical tiers and suddenly it works and suddenly it reads better and suddenly the drawing's easier. Yeah. And you think, oh, okay, then the storytelling was what was wrong. That's that's what it was. But my brain wasn't allowing me to kind of be satisfied with the drawing because yeah. the storytelling was, was at fault. And that's sort of... That's why I think the storytelling's always working, uh, you know, because because I've sort of got it right. And 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 a part of that is though that my storytelling is very, um, it's meat and two veg. It's not. <laughs> I'm not. You know, I, I when guys were doing going through their image period where they were going, and now I'm turning this page round, and yeah, now yeah. I'm going to draw these panels like this, and now I'm going to do that. And I was going. No, I'm doing one, two, three, four. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. One, two, three, four. And we're out. Uh, and yeah. they're going, no, you've got to rotate the whole page around constantly like a steering wheel to read it. And I'm going, <laughs> that's that thing that's good, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. When your shoulders are tired from reading your comic, that's when you know <laughs> yeah. it's a good book. <laughs> I mean, like, the, oh God, I'm not, you're reading a comic left to right and suddenly you get to a page that's a double page spread that needs you to rotate the entire comic 90 degrees. How is that? You know, I, but anyway. Can, that's, I, that's can, I just, can I jump in here for a second, guys? I... Yeah, you know, we we all we all saw all that. So I think the 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 pinnacle of that was Capullo's Batman, where he was in a maze, and mm-hmm. I got those books digitally on Comicsology. And if you turned your if you turned your iPad, it just kept turning. It just kept turning. <laughs> <laughs> it kept justifying itself. I was like, no, but I want it. You know, I was like, this. Oh, it's that is frustrating. That's, That's hilarious. Frustrating. They never thought I, I think I, like if you're going to, I mean, I'm sure I, I haven't seen that Batman issue. I vaguely remember it, but yeah. I like. That's an effect. That's an effect you're going for, yeah. and that's fine. Mm. But it, quite a lot of those at, at that period, quite a lot of storytelling was about the explosive moment and not yeah. the storytelling. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I overcorrect that, I suspect, which is I've always felt storytelling was more important than the explosive moment. The, the, you know, when if I'm drawing a Judge Dredd story, I want to tell that Judge Dredd story. Yeah. I do think that I, I overcorrected so much that um, now I, it's like, do you know what? When I was 10, I wanted to see a big full body figure of dread punching someone. That's what I wanted to see. I didn't, I like, I, I understood the storytelling, but I also wanted to see those moments. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of trying to bring some of that back into my artwork where, where you're sort of building up towards that without losing the core strength of the storytelling. Yeah. Well, you, you need um, that, right? Cause if you don't have that immersion, you lose the audience and like, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. People are probably reading this like on their phone, on their tablet or, you know, yeah. and then spin it around well, like, a million I, degrees. That's the thing. And he, if it, there's a notification on it, you've lost them. They might not come back. So I think if yeah. you lose them from the story, you, you might've lost them for good. So yeah. I totally agree. I think you can find your flashy stuff as long as you're managing to keep the illusion. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but it makes the big so, yeah, moments I mean, bigger as well, you know. If, if what's you, that? It makes the big moments bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, if, if you can, if you yeah. can do it, it does. Yeah, yeah. It, and but but also it means I think that um, I mean this is why I think Derek wanted me to do bad magic is because there's a certain expectation that that audience might not necessarily be comic readers. Yeah, and so very solid storytelling is what's called for. You know, someone who can who can sort of deliver. A straightforward, you know. Here's how to tell. Here's here's how to read comics. Basically, it's, it's yeah. left to right. 
zigzag yeah. and away you go. Um, nothing more than that. Have you but ever encountered complicated stuff? Have you ever encountered an adult who's never read a comic and then you show them a comic and they don't know how to read it? That that's happened to me a few times. It's like, do I read the words I, I, first or look at the picture? Yeah. And it's like, I don't, I don't encounter. I don't encounter that many adults. Is my thing. <laughs> and when I do, they're they're usually at comic conventions. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, I mean, what's really funny to me is 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 when you, you um, it's not so much you don't encounter someone who reads comics. It's that when you're in a group of middle aged men and you you see the one who you know has read some comics, you see the one who is a Judge Dredd fan or whatever, and yeah. and you kind of all you have to do is say, "Oh, I draw Judge Dredd," and the one person's face drops. Yeah. And they and the thing is, they don't know who you are. They don't care who you are you're just a direct link to their childhood and yeah. you you've hit the third reel for them and they're kind of like oh, uh, yeah. and then the other guys are like going i don't know who that guy is who are you talking to why why is he so excited about him what's yeah. going on there <laughs> it's all very odd so uh, but no I, I i i don't think i don't think i've ever encountered because i i it's just it's not a situation that's arisen you know yeah. i mean my family don't really read comics. My dad doesn't read comics. My brother doesn't read comics. Um, and, you know, I've occasionally given them stuff, uh, but I don't know if they've read them or not. Yeah. Um, but they've never kind of gone, I don't, how do you, how do you read this? This doesn't make any it's sense. A, it's a very um, interesting phenomenon because I think, you know, we all learned when we were kids and maybe it hmm. is a thing that you, you pick up as a child that that ability to, take in what the I, image is giving you and also what the dialogue or the caption is giving you at the same yeah. time. Because mm -hmm. if you hand it to an adult who, who hasn't got that kind of experience, it's like, right, so I read this bit and then I look at that picture. Which bit do I read bit, do I? Is that but what I, I do? But yeah. I, think, I think part of that though is that adults don't like making mistakes. And so when you give them a book, they don't want to kind of feel foolish about what they're doing so they want yeah. you to explain to them what they're supposed to do they don't want to kind of traipse in there and go i read that and yeah. and i started at the bottom and made my way up and for you to go <laughs> you idiot they don't want that to happen that is yeah. not what they want what they want is to kind of go okay i'll give this a go you tell me what i'm supposed to do first yeah. and i think that's a thing that adults do um, I think children are are like a child will go in there and start reading from the middle outwards, and they Everyone and they will yep. their brain their brain will quickly go no that's not the way this makes sense, which is why I think uh, manga was picked up by younger readers far sooner than it was picked up by older readers because the manga of course is left to, uh, right to left rather than left to right, and for yeah. a younger reader it's like yeah okay I just read comics this way now that's fine, yeah. whereas for an older reader they're going no no this is not yeah. this is not not how I've learned how to do this. Now you're Acrylics. changing all the rules. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't like it. But like, I mean, I find the same. When I started reading, I sort of read some manga and, and the first few times it was like, I, my brain is just fighting every step of the way yeah. to read this the other direction. And it's not even the panels. It's yeah. the dialogue. Yeah. It's the dialogue, which is right to left. And, and my brain's, yeah. even, even whenever I read the panels in the right order, I was still reading the dialogue in the right order. But yeah. that's just years and years and years of doing that's that. Then, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, but once once you sort of get into the flow of it, you kind of go, okay, this is as easy to read as the other thing. It's just, yeah. just the other way around. You've got to reverse um, the Z shape to go that way. Yeah. That's yeah, it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. That. That's so actually the best study, way I mean, to describe it. Actually, I like that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not it's not even that hard. As I say, it's it was the dialogue was the big stumbling block for me because even as I knew, oh well, they're left to right, so I just need to read the Z the wrong way around. Mm -hmm. And then, 
I'd get to the panel, the correct panel, and then I'd read the dialogue the the incorrect way because right, I, yeah. my brain's going, oh, well, there's the dialogue on the left, so that must be the first thing to read. And that was kind of constantly causing cognitive dissonance of, of how yeah. my eyes were going over over this page. Yeah. But like once you've done that a few times, you're all right. But yeah. I, I, again, I do, I do like even whenever I was working in IT and you'd get adults coming in, they would be afraid to do stuff with the computer and you'd kind of they go, oh, my son can pick this up really quickly. And it's like, yeah. it's because kids don't care if they make a mistake. They just yeah. don't care. They will do it. If like a kid will tap a button and if nothing happens, they'll not worry and they'll go on to the next thing. Whereas now they'll be going, I've tapped this button for five hours now and nothing's happened. What's going on? You know? I, I ruined um, the whole computer at an early age, uh, not having that fear. And what I was trying to do was I realized like our computer was just getting full up. And I was like, oh, I'll just delete some stuff and make some memory. And I deleted like core things the computer needed to like, be oh, a computer. No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize I was like, never heard of this one before. I'll delete that one. And look, yeah. then we have loads more. The room. really fascinating thing about, about like most kids now don't know anything about storage management because they, they've used iPads and they've had no, exp no exposure to that as aspect of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of let's see this. I bought it all the way back to IT again. There, you see that? Mm. <laughs> back to, back to so, your origins. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> origin um, so, um, yes. PJ, if people want to find your stuff, look at your blog, pick up your books. Well, there's a couple of things I want to in person. very specifically. Um, so there, obviously, there's books that I've got out. I've mentioned those already. So there's called mm -hmm. a Great Pleasant book, which is a complete tale of its own so you can pick it up and read it uh, and enjoy that if you've not read Skullduggery Pleasant there might be a couple of things you'll think what is this but it, it's kind of a standalone story anyway so you can read it um, and it, it is sort of aimed at maybe 15 might, it'll, I mean it'll work for younger readers than that but 12, 13, 14, 15, that kind of age group. Uh, then Fascinating Folklore, which is a good coffee table book for anyone who, and I say coffee table, I really mean toilet book. It's a great toilet book. Just leave it in the loo. <laughs> you lift up and read a page or two and, and, you know, should last maybe one or two plops. And then you're right. You know, it's great. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that should be the pull close. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I am never asked for, for a pull quote for anything. But it's just a... great for one or two goes in the loo. Yeah. A plop, maybe a plop and a half. Yeah. A plop, a and a plop. Uh, and um, what do you call it? So that and Soul Plumber is out as well. I'm currently drawing Judge Dread for 2000 AD. And I, the other two projects, particularly, I want to plug is the Null Space one, which is yes. a, on my blog. You can you can go to my website and just so see it there. Before before w, we go, w, give, us, w. give us the skinny on Null Space. So, okay, I I said earlier, but I'll repeat yeah. just in case. Mm -hmm. uh, so Null Space is a weekly ongoing Twilight Zone like anthology written by a raft of writers, particularly sci-fi genre writers who have never necessarily written comics before. Um, so the first one's by Adrian Tchaikovsky, um, big name sci-fi writer. Um, uh, Tadai Thompson as well, he's another uh, sort of well-known sci-fi writer. Uh, Elizabeth Miles, who does a uh, Doctor Who podcast. Um, she's well-known for that and has done some big Finnish audio stuff with uh, with Doctor Who as well. And so and there's a whole bunch of others coming. Uh, Gareth L. Pyle, who does a lot of kind of uh, sci-fi uh, spaceship blowing up, boom, 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 space opera stuff. Um, so a lot of these people have never done comics before. And the, and the idea is that I kind of said to him, if you want whatever story you want to write, I will draw. So it, it entirely, there's no stories are connected. 
They're all sort of, uh, I think, generally self-contained. Um, and it'll be running for at least, at this point, I think I've got 17 or 18 scripts. Um, the plan is to maybe do a season. Season might be about 26, so we'll see how close okay. to that we get. What I kind of want to avoid is 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 going back to the same well and using the same writers more than once or twice. Um, I would love... On, on that note, have you seen Dave's one and done Fortnite series? Just if... Uh, it was, that was a while ago, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a while ago, ago. yeah. Don't worry, yeah. we're past that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's, a good, it's a great little series. Looking for yeah. other writers, just, yeah. just, just a good one right there. Well, you're familiar so, with so, the format and you're kind of saying earlier on that people weren't really used to it. Dave has it. In- well, that, but that's the thing. But I, I want people who aren't used to it. I want people who haven't done comics before. That certainly, certainly in the first series of it. Um, uh, to be honest with you, the, the, I thought I'll do fifty-two. I'll get fifty-two writers. That turned out to be hard. Um, and I thought um, I'll get them to write, and then we'll collect it in a book. That mm. should do quite well on Kickstarter. That turned out to be very hard because fifty-two, you know, even 10, 15, mm. 20 writers. Very hard. Wrangling cats is, is yeah, the yeah. expression. Um, so instead, I'm kind of going to do a, a maybe first series. And then yeah. I think after that, um, I do another um, thing on my website called A4. A4 is like a zine. A zine, yeah. a zine. Yeah. Uh, it's an A4 sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. And the idea is designed to be folded up in a certain way, in a certain configuration. And once it's folded up in this little configuration, what you have is a piece of original artwork and a wee stand on its own. But you, it's also it's surrounded by short stories, and the short stories are little sort of nano stories that I've written, little nano sci-fi stories, uh, and each one is kind of its own little complete, little, you know, little kind of thing. I yeah. love anthologies. Like, I, you know, I can't get enough of anthologies. Um, and and in my head, I was thinking I could I could definitely not write and draw an anthology. That would be madness. That's the most insane thing for me to write and draw my own comics. That's madness. Instead, what I'll do, right, is I'll draw somebody else's anthology and I'll write a different one all on my own. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> so, so I haven't. I mean, my brain didn't put that I was basically doing my own anthology together in its head. My brain didn't go, "You're writing stuff and drawing stuff. Why, why not?" So, uh, there's a good chance the second series of it might just be me. Um, cool. If there is a second series, great, we'll man. see. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. Um, but, but the the first one, um, A4. There's Five, four issues of it. Uh, no, I think issue four is the issue four is the weird western one, which is all little short western stories, um, which I really I I am quite proud of because uh, yeah. I'm not a writer. I don't consider myself a writer. Um, You're a storyteller. I'm, you are. I'm a comic. Well, I'm an, yeah. a, a comic artist. As well. I'm very happy with the title comic artist. Yeah. I. I find the title writer a bit weird. I think I don't know why because I kind of think no, I don't do enough writing, but. I do quite a lot of writing, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but I just I do. There's some part of my brain's just going. That's ideas above your station, Paul. Just calm yourself down. That's just that's the just trick. Going too far. That's just the trick yeah. writers have played on you. That's all that is. Yeah, that's all. That's all that is. <laughs> well, the, the difficulty, like honest, genuinely, the problem for me has always been: Do I write my own stuff to draw? Yeah. Or do I continue to get work from like uh, Gordon Rennie, Garth Ennis, and Rob yeah. Williams, and the best writers, you know, yeah. <laughs> Alish Cott, and yeah. all those guys, and do the stuff that they've written? Or do I think to myself, do you know what? 
I'm better than that. I can yeah. write something. Yeah. No, no, I'm not an idiot. I'll, I'll I'll take this work and I'll draw it. Um, but I do I do want to. There's a couple of things I've got that mm. I'd love to do. Uh, yeah. I always get to a point. I mean, the reason that A4 uh, I did A4, and the reason that they're little short micro stories. So they're they're kind of tweet length, or maybe two tweets. It might be the, the longest. Some of them are, and they're all kind of individual standalone little things. Um, is because I have lots of ideas. I, I think ideas are, you know, every writer, anytime you see somebody who goes, I want to be a writer, and you go, well, what do you want to write? And they go, I've got one idea. And it's like, no, you're not a writer, mate. You, mm-hmm. <laughs> a writer is somebody who's, a writer just notices ideas and plucks them out of the air and goes, right, okay, now I've got to hammer this into something. And just yeah. <laughs> just goes goes at it with a word hammer and, and <laughs> churns out a story. Um so I've got lots of little ideas, which all yeah. writers do, I think. And everyone does. I mean, their ideas are just out there. I, yeah. I speak yeah. to a lot of people who think I'm not creative. And it's like, that's because you haven't got bored yet. Just get yourself some boredom. And and once you're really bored, you'll sit there thinking, hmm. Yeah, stop distracting yourself. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, I mean, this is this might be doing a disservice to it, but I think ideas for stories are a little like, they're like staring at white noise and seeing patterns. That's all it is. Yeah. You know, your brain's kind of coming up with things or you're seeing things day to day and then your brain goes, oh, wouldn't it be like one of the stories I've written for the next one, which is not yet, is um, essentially, uh, you know, he goes to knock the door. The door says, no cold callers. And he thinks, bugger, not again, and flies off as a bat. There you go. There's a, there's an idea. Love it. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just a little idea, just a little yeah. It's just hanging there, yeah. hanging there. You see a cold collar sign, and you think, "What if Dracula would that stop a vampire? Yeah. Would, <laughs> who needs to be invited in? Would yeah. that stop that?" Yeah. And, and you kind of go, "Oh, there's there's a little bon mot, a little kind of notion." So they're they're all there. But what yeah. I always struggle with is making one of those stretching one of those things out into a longer story yeah, and yeah. kind of writing something that that because that is writing. I don't yeah. think I don't consider this writing. I consider this just you know plucking ideas from the air and giving them to other people i yeah. think that's what the, that is the writing is sitting down the hammering of a story like is is that yeah. and honestly sometimes you get an idea and you're like oh fuck i just got a good idea you know because it's yeah yeah i really don't want to engage with this i'm working on something else i, I don't, <laughs> don't like want to do it and joke. Then you have to do it you know you, you know just, where, where yeah. mitch hedberg is sitting in the couch he thinks of a great joke but his notepad, he writes these jokes down, is on the other side of the room. He's like, now I have to convince myself it was a shit joke. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fucking no way. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's the blog that is... me often. Oh, the blog is uh, www.pauljholden.com. So you, you'll be able to find both the null space and A4 from there. And there's also some of the fascinating folklore comics are on that on that website as well. I also mm-hmm. I I kind of I just I took it all upon myself. I jokingly wrote, "Hey, I'm not going to do October this year. To hell with that. That's too much work. What I'm going to do is Blogtober, or I blog every day because all social media is imploding at a rapid rate. So it's time to get back to the old days. It's like it's like discovering that um, every house is infested with rats and going. Do you know what? The hell with it. I'm going to start living in a cave and just. <laughs> just hoping that that'll that'll work somehow um so i kind of jokingly said i was going to start blogtober where i blog every day and i've blogged every day and it's a funny thing all right and i think is if if you get it habitual 
that's mm-hmm. good. You just got to start writing and you realize, oh, it's not that hard to write when you're writing. The hard part is starting to write. The hard part is, you know, hard part's editing. The hard part is mm-hmm. starting to write and kind of shaping it. The easy part is just writing something, yeah. you know. I find uh, uh, vomit drafts very easy. It's the it's the kind of, it's when I get past the vomit draft and I think to myself, right, I've just written what might be a really good 64-page comic. Who am I going to get to draw this? That, oh, no, I'd have to draw it myself. Oh, no, no, I I, I can't afford to draw this. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I can't afford Now it's a 15-page comic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do, do you know, genuinely, I have written stuff that has been 12 pages or 8 pages and kind of gone, if I'm drawing this, and then I kind of shunt it into two, shunt it into one panel or a three-panel gag, and you kind of go, that'll do. That's got, thank God. Thank God I've got that notion out of my head, and now it's a short little gag. Yeah. Um, yeah, less is more. And where can people find you on social? So these days, you're on. Well, I'm on. Who's uh, Generally, if you look for Paul J. Holden, that'll be me. Uh, wherever I'm on, mostly on Blue Sky at the moment, but not everyone is on Blue Sky. Um, I'm still on Twitter as was X as is. Um, I'm not. I'm not calling it Twitter anymore because it's not Twitter anymore. Um, I'm calling it Twitter so people understand what it is I'm talking about. So I don't sound like a loon when I say I'm on X. Like, what? Well, you're on eggs? What are you on? What's you're, on a, you're on a drug from the future? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm on X, the drug yeah. from the future. Um, so, but I generally in conversation, I will, um, it's X now, it's not Twitter. It's a different thing than it was. Um, I'm on Instagram as Paul Jason Holden, I think. But if you find my website, you'll find me in all these other places. Awesome. My website's where I'm blogging and I think, you know, there's fun stuff in there I think yeah. I'm also putting because I remember I said I'm doing Blogtober I'm not doing Inktober well I lied about that because I did Inktober as well so Inktober's up there yesterday I did it twice because oh, and you're doing, well, you're doing the, uh, the hell prompts are you yeah yeah but I but <laughs> started doing the hell prompts and I realized I'd done something not unlike that a couple of years ago a couple of years ago I did a lot of B-movie things and so there's a crossover for some of the monsters in it. Yeah. And I thought it should be really funny if, if I did like a monster and like a motivational poster speech thing. So, 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 so I did Pinhead and beside him it says, if you see a pin, pick it up, then all day you'll have good luck. And, <laughs> and, and um, yeah, there was one I did that was like... Um, Oh, it was it was the aliens one. So I did the aliens egg yeah, yeah. and the alien alien itself, and I wrote um, little uh, big oaks from little acorns grow. <laughs> it's just it's the sort of stuff you think to yourself. Well, if I was going to have a motivational poster, it would be one with an alien yeah. on it. That's the you know, uh, and also I drew the thing, and this is the this is my favorite one because it's so terrible. It's a really bad drawing. I drew it three times. I couldn't get it right. It's still a bad drawing, um, and I'm not happy with it. But the uh, this the thing I wrote beside it was, if a thing's worth doing, it's worth doing well. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the kind of material you can catch on PJ's social this network. This is the stuff face. I give away for nothing. <laughs> this is yeah. this will get this for free. <laughs> PJ, thanks so much for joining us on the Odds Bar. It's been it's been great. It's been great. Thank Cheers, you very much PJ. for having me. I apologize for how long I spoke. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> it was fantastic. Cheers.
Thanks for joining us on The Odds Pod. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Look out for The Odds coming soon from Scout Comics. And please tell us what your favourite apocalypse is. You can find me on Twitter at Benessy. That's B-E-N-N-E-S-S-Y. And me on at Dave Hendrick. Big thanks to our producer, Adrian Carty, and we'll see you at the end of the world. 